and good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest today is Dr. Greg Kaysen. He's a cognitive behavioral therapist. He's been with us before. He's located out in Beverly Hills, but also licensed here in Texas. Uh, you might know him from the Bravo show, L.A. Shrinks. Uh, Greg, welcome. Back. Hi. And I didn't turn the phone on. There you go. Okay. Um, and, and thank you for coming back. Um, we've always had fun discussions with you. We wanted to talk about pride a little bit this uh, this time. Uh, just yeah. let's let's just start with why is pride important? Is it something that we really should need to have to celebrate? You know, I don't know if we need to have to celebrate it. I don't think people have to necessarily, but I do think pride is needed. Um, it's especially needed, and it depends on the country you're talking about, but let's just talk about the United States. This is going to reach most people in the United States. Even though pride was always an event where uh, the gay population, lesbian, gay, trans population could come together and be together and to celebrate themselves their identity, and also it helped us unite during some pretty horrific political times in the past and also during our health crisis, which was the whole AIDS crisis, um, and we've made significant advancements, and largely because of pride, because pride has been a way for us all to coalesce as a community, and I, you know, we could, I could talk about pride all day long, but I will say... One of the most significant and eye-opening things about Pride for me as a young gay man was that I was able to see people who didn't look like me, who, who were nothing like me, coming from all areas, all around, to come to a place to celebrate being gay, lesbian, bi, trans, uh, even asexual, etc. And it's was one of the most eye-opening and wonderful things I saw, and also was eye-opening to see supporters who are non, who are not part of the community, but were there to support us as well. So all of those things make gay, uh, pride continually important. And then, in light of what's going on politically today and the backlash against the LGBTQ population, I think it's more important than ever. I, I, I echo that about being a young gay man and going to Pride and seeing so many different people from different backgrounds. Because I remember, you know, I came out in the 90s, early 90s. And uh, prior to that, you know, we knew that there was a gay neighborhood in the city in high Very school. Very early 90s, like 1964. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even exist then. Um, <laughs> so, I did. down there, I see. So, like, you know, in high school, everybody talked about and joked about the, you know, in Dallas, it's the Oakland area, which is the gay neighborhood. I'd never been there, but in my mind, I kind of had this utopian idea of what the gay world would be. And when I finally got down there, it was, wasn't exactly what I thought. It was pretty segregated. Um, yeah, I didn't see trans people. I didn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of race mixing. I didn't see le many lesbians at the gay clubs. You know, I found out there were separate lesbian bars. It wasn't a lot of, you know, I don't know how it is now. I'm not in the bar scene anymore. But, um, but when you went to a pride parade, you finally say, saw all of these different people come together. And it was like, oh, this is what I imagined. And it was wonderful. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most important things. And, you know, it's so, so fun about Pride. I don't know if you guys have been to Pride 
other places too. I used to live in Houston, and the pride there was so significantly different than the pride in Los Angeles. Um, and it, it was really it reflected the community, and that was what was so exciting. And there was a little more religious um, of a you know uh, close, a little fewer more, and a little more. They actually had tractors and <laughs> I mean, just mm-hmm. things I wouldn't usually have seen that were so wonderful. And then you go to New York, and that's a complete scene unto itself. And then I've also been to Pride in New Zealand and Australia. And those are, those are wildly different. They're di- wildly different from each other as well. So Pride all over the world, I mean, really an eye-opening event. Well, here we do a second Pride, and it was uh, held on Friday night. And it's Pride in the Arts District. And instead of it being a parade, what it is is uh, there are three art museums in the art district. They open, and uh, like the Dallas Museum of Art will have a treasure hunt. They'll list five gay artists, find their painting. Oh, that's a great idea. Which is fun. Um, There's a stage outside on um, Harwood at Flora Street, which I'm sure... Well, people who are listening would know where where I'm talking about. But there was a stage on the street, uh, and um, some of the theater companies were performing there, and uh, singers, and uh, and it was just a lot of fun. There were tents uh, that people were selling pride stuff. Um, uh, one of the art museums uh, has a sculpture garden, so in the back on a screen they were showing Victor Victoria, and there were just hundreds of people watching the movie when it started raining. Um, oh, wow. But it was a lot of fun. So it, it's a different way to celebrate Pride. We have our Pride Parade, and that was on June 5th. Um, and we can talk about that in a few minutes and what I thought of that one. Well, I went to, um, Aaron and I, um, a number of years ago, uh, were celebrating our anniversary, and we went to the the sesquicentennial of Canada. Um, They didn't even know what that word was, but it's their 150th anniversary. And we did the train uh, via rail from Toronto to Vancouver. Oh, oh, you did that. I've always wanted to take that. Yeah, we went several days beforehand and then stayed several days after on either end. Um, But one of the stops was in Jasper, and they had just celebrated Pride, and the streets were... You know the most fantastic banners on like every light pole, and it was such a. We pulled in on the train, and you begin seeing it before you get to the station, and we were just like thrilled. And the straight people on the train with us were thrilled with us. It's well, like this is going to be so fun because people who aren't prejudiced can look, and it's bright colors, and it's fun, and right. Right. Oh yeah, it was, we had a great. We were only there for two hours, but <laughs> it was great. Um, one of the things that you said is pride parades, though, in every city are a little bit different. Um, yeah. The only other one that I've been to in a while is Houston's, and I was there uh, uh-huh. on on Marriage Equality Weekend uh, because Houston's oh, wow. parade is the last weekend. They normally get about ten times as many people as Dallas Pride does. It's the only thing Houston does bigger and better than Dallas. <laughs> but uh, but well, they get they normally get about five hundred. Yeah, go ahead. The bugs are bigger and better in Houston. So. <laughs> 
I'll give you that too. <laughs> I, li- I used to live in Houston. I concur. <laughs> but the parade, instead of getting its usual 500,000, got about 700,000 that year because marriage equality wow. had just passed on Friday. I was actually in the parade, and so we turned one corner and people were hanging out of a 12-story parking garage on every level and there were we'll have bleachers that are two or three rows high this was two stories high yeah we just just went holy hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was amazing to see yeah what a significant progress from when i lived there i lived there in the uh, early to mid 90s and in Houston, it was a very small event, uh, Pride. I marched in the parade, but it was just, you know, it was very, very small. Um, there weren't a lot of people on the sideline. Of course, in Houston, it does have the heat issues, so, and it was still very hot. Yeah, the well. other thing and they do uh, better, though, is they have their parade at night. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's because of the heat there. It's just... Yeah, that's... But the... Um, but the... But um, I'm so glad to hear of the progress. And Houston has made such incredible progress. And you saw the seeds of that when I was living there. People, people struggled, but they still wanted to move things forward. Um, so I, I'm really happy to hear that Pride has only gotten to just explode. It's just huge, especially since they moved it downtown. That's another thing, and it's an issue here. Uh, our pride used to be on o- in, or in Oaklawn, not on Oaklawn Avenue, but in Oaklawn. Uh-huh. Uh, it's now in, sure. in Fair Park, which is a big exposition park here. And they did it for several reasons. One of the, the reasons is it's less expensive because you don't need as many police. Uh, one of the reasons is staging. There's a good place to stage 160 floats and entries. There wasn't on the streets of a neighborhood. Well, the primary reason uh, they did it was because they were going to rip up Cedar Springs to do street Right, it was, it was road construction. So th- th- that was our main, our main thoroughfare for the parade. And so, but why it hasn't come back post-construction is a great question and a debate in our city. It is a well, debate. It's a debate on this show. <laughs> Houston's did the same thing. Uh, Houston, Houston used to be in Westheimer, and they moved it downtown. And when it moved downtown, it just exploded in size. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think... Well, there you go. I think maybe, Greg, if you could tell us about the rebellion part of what Pride is and that Pride's a protest. And, and it's one of the reasons a whole faction of people in this city, uh, including me, believe that um, going in a circle for ourselves at Fair Park is not pride. Mm-hmm. We're, nobody sees us, unless you're, you've come to that. I mean, hey, we're not... hey, hey, it's a one-mile circle. <laughs> okay, well, but it's still a circle. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a divided mind, and I'll tell you this. I, I remember participating in the March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights, and that, that, the very first one um, that was uh, just a year after the quilt, or the year before. I can't remember. It was 93, I believe. You went to the quilt one year? I'm sorry? It was, I think it was in 93, the big march. 93? Yeah, and so that was an incredible event. And I, I will say 
about that event. Although that was to be a protest that we were marching for our rights, the most magical thing about it, and the thing that was transformational for me as a very young gay man, was being able to be in a world that was primarily lesbian and gay, bi, trans, where everyone around me, even in the grocery store, was uh, was someone in the community, someone that I could, I'm sorry, I have to put up my window because well, I guess I can't. Um, the, um, everyone around me was um, just like me. Everywhere I went, everywhere I walked, the entire wa Washington, D.C. So although it was a protest, the city cleared, all the straight people cleared out. They didn't want to be around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I so met one of my cousins. We got in the press. I, I met one of my cousins at the airport. Yeah. She was leaving town as we were flying in. Yeah, they didn't want to be around it. Right. They thought, you know, I don't want to be around them, whatever, who knows. You know, maybe it was just practical traffic, whatever. But the, um, but the magic of the event was something incredible. And I will never forget that. And I will always crave those moments when I can just be with um, people that are just like me. That being said... I do think it's important to show ourselves um, publicly and that the protest was, was an extremely important part, especially back then when we were marching for our rights, but especially w when we were going through the days of HIV and AIDS. Um, and in the 80s, we were marching because um, it, it, was, it was something because we believed that nobody was paying attention and we were so desperate to find a solution and a conclusion and to get the attention of other people. And we eventually did, but it took a lot of protesting and it took a lot of marches and it took uh, the, the uh, ACT UP people to do the events that they did with certain politicians. And it just, it was a, it was a countrywide event. And uh, so, yes, we definitely need the protest and we're going to need even more now that the pendulum seems to be swinging back the other way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, it I'm, makes us feel good when you're out there, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, like I said, there's an there's a internal debate in, in, in Dallas about the moving of the parade. And I'm kind of on the other side of what Patty said. I, I, I understand and I agree that the parade is a protest, but it has evolved. Not everybody looks at it as a protest anymore. It's, um, it's a celebration. And as far as people coming out, well, I mean, no matter what, people are going to have to travel from somewhere to come to the parade. Um, this year, I know at least three or four non-LGBT families that came out to the parade to see it. And they came because they said it was at Fair Park. I don't know if they would have traveled to our usual street down in Oak Lawn. Um, so, I, mean, I just think, I, I think it's, uh, I think that, I think some there's more all-encompassing. And you know how it hasn't changed? How? At the very first Pride Parade in Dallas, which was in 1972, there was a Walmart float, wasn't there? <laughs> well, we'll talk about. We were going to talk about that. <laughs> right on Walmart. <laughs> well, we were, before the show we were talking about, and you know, we're about to go to a break, but um, we could talk a lot about this, and that is the explosion of corporate support. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I mean, and what, is it rainbow washing? Is it rainbow washing? Absolutely, Patty. Um, you, you know, even on TV, God, I'm watching so many different stations, and even they have their logos 
draped in um, rainbow colors or whatever, a celebration of Pride Month. It's like, wow. You know, the number of uh, Pride products that were pushed this year, we were having a contest. Okay, I have the stupidest Pride product uh, of the day. Wow. And I wish I had brought in a list of them, uh, but, but I was just deleting them because it was taking so much of our time just reading through all the garbage that was being sent to us. Um, we're talking to Dr. Greg Kaysen. He is a cognitive behavioral therapist, a psychologist in Beverly Hills. Um, we'll be back with more with Greg right after this message. I'm Christina from the Owens, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. <laughs> See you later. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink, and we're talking to Greg Kaysen about pride. Um, okay, so let's go into it. Corporate pride. Yeah. It's a good thing. I yeah. mean, it means that that company uh, recognizes their LGBT employees. They, for the most part, would have good employee benefits and uh, non-discrimination non-discrimination and all that kind of policies. Um, yeah. It means they want the LGBT community as their customers. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there's lots of good. Is there any mm -hmm. bad? <laughs> of course, of course, there's that. Of course, there's that. Um, the uh, the thing I've been, you know, uh, first, can I say the good? Because you know, something that that does bug me a little bit when because people take such a bipolar view on this, um, or they go one way or the other. Really, mm -hmm. instead of instead of uh, looking at the fact that the good can be that you're exactly right, they put forward an attitude and they put forward images. I was in TJ Maxx or one of these, you know, like, it's like a Walmart, like a, a discount clothing store, and they had photos of two men holding hands. They had, oh, you wow. know, rainbow things around. And you're like, is this, is this, and it was in a very conservative city here in Los Angeles, um, down in Orange County, and it was like, you know, are they trying to just sell to the community, but what's happening is families and everyone else is walking in and they're seeing those images. Right. And so when they continually see those images as part of the general public, as part of just normal everyday shopping and corporations, your attitude changes. You no longer see them as this aberration or people that exist in the dark. This is just part of everyday life. You may not like it, but you, you tend to sway your opinion toward accepting that's part of everyday life. And think now, as for the other... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not, I was going to say, and think of what those images yeah. that you're talking about being in public, think what that will do for the LGBT child who sees that. I, I think this all the time, yes. I mean, because when I was a little kid, I don't know about you, but I was convinced I was the only one. Yep, at times, the yeah. only one. Yep. Yeah, and I and, and I and I grew up thinking that even in my high school. I know we talked about this before, Dave. I went to a, re a weird high school. In my high school, I was convinced I was the only gay kid of four thousand students. I now know that is statistically impossible. Right. But at the time, I was absolutely convinced there was there is not any evidence to me of another gay person there, and it was 
horrific and isolate. And all um, of my friends from high school have since come out. None of mine have. What's with that? Really? Um, so, yeah, I, I hung around the wrong crowd. Um, Apparently. But, uh, I guess so. Yeah. But anyway, the, the, um, just kind of saying that, um, that there's a good side to this. And even in my own research, I did research on attitude change. And what it really came down to, and it was a surprise finding in my own research, that attitude change, you can't just tell somebody to change their attitude. That doesn't happen. You have to show them images, and they have to, it has to hit really close to home. Generally, it's best that they have someone in their life yep. that comes out to them who's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and that will shift their opinion. So that, that makes the biggest difference. But the other big difference that happens is when they, if they work for an organization or they, they're in a family structure or something where the person who's considered the head person says, this is what we believe. We believe that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender are equal customers here and we have a non-discrimination attitude. We're going to do these policies. They can get on the same health policies. They can do all these same things. And that attitude, believe it or not, changes opinions in the rank and file. It does. So it's absolutely, it's dramatic. And so it's really a wonderful thing that that actually happens. So I'm of a divided mind because it absolutely, and by the way, I used to go to bars and I'd be so excited to see a Budweiser label in a, like with a rainbow. I mean, it was just so cool to see stuff like that. But you go, but you, here in L.A., it gets almost sickening when you watch the parade, and it's just one business after another pushing itself with, you know, hot naked guys gyrating. And, and it becomes a little bit tedious, and I think that's where we kind of, um, it struggle, I struggle a little bit. Because of the Do you know, th this year it was 100 degrees during the parade, but it was a nice, comfortable, humid uh -huh. 100 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't know about that comfortable part, I needed to get okay. I, I needed to get photos for the newspaper, <laughs> and I stayed about an hour because it was like, oh, there goes Chase. Oh, there's Bank of America. Oh, there's Wells Fargo. Oh, yes, I do know what's in my wallet. Exactly. You know, and oh, there's Microsoft. Oh, yeah, because Apple is too... Uh, there, there, places yeah. behind their State Farm. Uh, I think there were several insurance companies out there. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't just the banks. I would never just pick on one industry. <laughs> uh, but, but to tell you the truth, I stayed an hour because I, I just didn't care to care about it anymore, and I got what I needed. And that's the first time I've ever done that. But you, you know, what, one of the biggest. Non-surprises and surprises, David and I talked about this before the show also, and the Dallas Parade this year was, I, it probably was the biggest float. I'm not sure about that, but it looked like it was. And that was the Dallas Mavericks. Now, Dallas Mavericks are out there all the time. Wow. Uh, Mark Cuban, we all know him. He's a local legend here. Um, he's always been gay friendly. I remember before he got married. Before he, he used got, to hang out at JR. I've, I've seen him at the, yeah. at the gay clubs back in the '90s. Wow. So that's nothing new. However, the massive size of their float this year—I mean, they brought it this year—and so I thought that was amazing. One, just because of the size, but two, sports. It's like the last 
uncharted territory for openly gay exactly. um, athletes. I, you know, that there's, it still makes news when there's an, a professional athlete comes out of the closet. So um, yeah. when you say, when you have a sports team out there, a major sports team out there representing like that, I thought that was that, that that's fabulous. And that's, and that's I agree. I, I yeah. It's going against type. And by the way, in psychology, I won't bore you, but the bottom line is when someone goes against type and they present uh, an attitude against type, we believe them more. So, you know, just any, like if a criminal endorses um, uh, the ring doorbell, you're like, oh, the ring doorbell must be good because this, even this criminal says it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the kind of attitude we have. So if we see this... Um, if we see the Dallas Mavericks, whose football is often associated with homophobia, and we, I know I certainly saw it growing up in my own high school, mm-hmm. and that when we see someone like the Dallas Mavericks, that's incredibly powerful. So what a wonderful thing they did. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so can I deviate a little bit? <laughs> um, so yeah. going against type, the first thing, I looked up your IMDb, uh, the first thing that you were in was a documentary called The Butch Factor. Was, I was in the Butch Factor. Yeah, yeah. was that go, was that going against type? Were you playing Butch? <laughs> oh wow! No, I, you did DBA. I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm Butch or Femme. I think I straddle that line. Uh, Kiki, the, uh, remember? The, I don't know if you ever heard the word Kiki. I, I, I mean, I, I heard it, but I don't know if it's in the same context that you're talking about. <laughs> well, Kiki is a word that describes a lesbian who's neither Butch nor Femme. Oh, okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. I'm laughing because just this past weekend, um, we, <laughs> we embarrassed to even say it's this on the air. It's the annual Greg A. Smith July the 24th at R.L.'s Booth Palace in Dallas. <laughs> this year's Gabrielle is my 13 year old daughter. So we're like, okay. Yeah. So, okay. She probably knows way more than you do on many topics. She probably does. She probably does. And Danny and I are like, okay, so you know what a stud is. All righty. So I'll have to ask her about Kiki. <laughs> I think it's it an old Mark term. Twain, it's a very old you know. term. Okay. Sorry, Greg. No, I think it was Mark, Mark Twain who said he, when he was 14, he thought his dad didn't know anything. Then when he was 21, he realized his dad knew a huge amount and couldn't believe how much he learned in that seven years. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we always underestimate our kids, but they, they often know a great deal and just don't tell us. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, how would she ever bring that up in conversation with you? Like, I forgot how it came up. <laughs> I bet she didn't bring it up. No, she didn't. It came from some outside conversation yeah, yeah. and you were discussing it. Did. It. it did. So going back to corporations. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, as I was watching all these different floats, uh, corporate floats go by, one thing that did occur to me was I don't know a single person on any of these floats. And normally in the parade, I just know half the people that are in it. Um, but then it, it occurred to me, okay, so one good thing about all these corporations bringing their uh, own people and doing a float for them is that all kinds of people who probably wouldn't participate in Pride otherwise are participating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings Pride to a whole other audience. Yeah, I agree. Even, even... I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, but this is exactly right. And I think what we, you know, there are now in uh, major corporations, there are employee interest groups, these specialized groups where they can have diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they will often splinter off, and the, and the group will be, you know, they'll have a gay, a gay uh, employee support group. And the group will have, um, will participate in this event. And it's, it's really a bonding event, and it helps them feel good about working in their company. So I don't know that there are any losers uh, when it comes to a company doing that or for the employees to participate. I think the only people that get tired of it are the viewers mm-hmm. when it's like one business after another. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the day before Pride here in Dallas, we have a Pride Festival, and it's a yeah. God, I can I don't know how many uh, different booths are set there up. There were hundreds, this hundreds, year. and same thing, a lot of corporate booths. Um, and so, the other good thing I thought about it was if you're a potential um, looking for a new job. And you see all these companies. I knew me, oh. me for sure. I was always very, very cognizant about who I apply with. I need to make sure that this is a uh, LGBT-friendly company, um, whether they have it in written policy or just the um, atmosphere there is accepting. And if you see these companies, that that kind of takes like a, a weight off your shoulder. Like if they're here, they must be okay. They must be okay no, to apply uh, there. I- yeah, no, that's an incredible thing for Pride to do, and that, that is, you're actually nailing something that's so important um, that people who are not gay don't realize how difficult it is um, for people who are gay both to feel safe in the workplace, right. to wonder if they're going to come out in the workplace. It's a second coming out process mm-hmm. for many, and um, to be invited to work parties, to advance up the ladder. There, it's often very difficult. And so a lot of gays will either be attracted to industries where gay people are more uh, more prevalent and allowed, or if they have a, an event like this where you can see, oh, Levi Strauss is good with gay people? Didn't know that. You know, right. definitely going to apply. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. But, you know, I think, um, I, I can't remember the, num- the exact numbers. <laughs> there was a study done um, not too long ago about... The, pe- the number of, of non-LGBT people, LGBTQ, so, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. so st- you know, het cis people, um, who uh-huh. rely upon that presence or absence as well when making jobs, job decisions. Um, they want to see what the culture is, and so they look for protections based upon sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. Um, to, oh. to be inclusive in those policies to get a feel for what the culture might be because if 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 we're not included in those non-discrimination protections it's not a culture they want to be part of that's encouraging it's very encouraging yeah <laughs> very encouraging but it also makes me think there's a part of me that you know thinks like a psychologist a little bit to say that you know i wonder if they themselves feel like they've been marginalized or they have something inside of them that they have not come out or brought forward yet and they look for a community or an organization where it's going to be a little more flexible and a little more flexible environment might help them to 
put forward their own identity. Sure. You see this with trans a lot, you know, mm-hmm. with, with late people who come out late in life. Sure, it, it could be somebody who just uh, had been bullied in school for yeah. any reason whatsoever, because of their weight, because of their height, because of how they looked. Uh, it doesn't have to be yeah. a, a gay thing or a racial thing. Uh, but in a place that's more accepting of one thing, you're more likely to be more accepting of lots of things. Absolutely. Exactly, Mark. So, um, and that, that's actually true. But, but, yeah. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, um, I'd love to know your thoughts on um, what we all learned as a nation occurred <coughs> in Idaho and in Kirtland. Yeah. Um, a few days, well, I guess it was last week, um, when from all over the country, white supremacists showed up to protest at a pride. Yes, but more came from Dallas than any other city. It's frightening to uh-huh. me. Really? Yes. Mm. It's, it's frightening. And I, I fear so much that the tide is, the backlash is going to be... Um, way different than any backlash we've seen um we the the texas gop met for their state convention in houston and they wrapped up yesterday or wrapping up today mm-hmm. the platform i mean they want to repeal the voting rights act of 1965 um and get rid of it oh, what about the 19th amendment wow let's yep. get rid of women voting it's it is <laughs> draconian and I'm, I fear it's going to lead to, I mean, it's one thing to be oppressed and, you know, not, not have your rights to marry and not have your right to work in a, in a workplace. But I really fear there's violence coming. Oh, yeah. And on a level we've never experienced before against our community. Um, and our community at large. And I, I, I would just urge everybody to be, first of all, safe. Yeah. Stay vigilant. Um, right, and and um, you know, stay aware of your surroundings Absolutely. all the time. Um, so, w- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we know we have a backlash. Uh, we've had ne- a numerous backlashes over time. Uh, certainly, following right. the the AIDS crisis of the eighties and nineties, um, right into yeah. the two thousands, and then you know, um, like Ellen comes out, and there's a big push, and then but then we had the state. Amendments to the to the state mm-hmm. constitutions for to to uh-huh. prevent marriage mm-hmm. equality, and uh-huh. then we got marriage uh-huh. equality. <laughs> well, even before then, we had Lawrence, and right. you know they they Lawrence, yeah yeah, and they, and right. that was really the writing on the wall of of what, what was to come for us, and there was backlash because of it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, what is your take on where we are? I I, I fear we're in a bad backlash phase. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually bigger than just the gay community, obviously. But the, I mean, what what is happening is I think gays, bi, trans, and anyone who's out and identifiable is going to suffer even more because they become a scapegoat. And there's a belief uh, within the right-wing community, I know this because my whole family, and I just spent a week with them, um, and they, they, they treat me gingerly, but they, you know, they let slip their attitude. But they believe that um, gay people and trans people have more rights 
being straight people and that they're getting special treatment and they're being coddled and pushed forward. And I'm, I'm like, I don't even know where this comes from. And um, so that kind of attitude just breeds anger and disdain toward people who are, you know, in our community, as they've traditionally been. They've been the kicking boy um, for a lot of uh, these people. But here's the thing that, that really concerns me, is that um, people are suffering all over our country, and they're suffering, and I did actually a presentation about this, and I did some research, and I was very concerned. I think we've got rotting happening all over our country, and what happened in Idaho was, to me, a reflection of this. We're seeing populations, and we're seeing the economic divide happen so many places. Just when I was taking a walk this morning, this is L.A., so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I, was, I did a loop around my, uh, my city block today, and they're putting up all these fancy hotels and putting up a bunch of really highly exclusive gyms that you have to apply for membership, and they have to look through your social networks, and they have to make sure you qualify. It's, you know, it's all wow. these, these special private clubs. And while I was seeing this all happening around me, I was seeing homelessness like I've never seen it before here in mm -hmm. L.A. And people living, I saw people, you know, sleeping in their cars because it was early in the morning. I, I saw people just, you know, dragging on the sidewalk, screaming, yelling. So I'm, this is too much that's going on. And who, who do we blame? We blame the downtrodden. We blame the we blame the whipping boy, whoever that is, um, and we we don't look at what's really happening in society. So I think there's a big problem. By the way, the thing that happened in Idaho um, that's not a new thing. We've seen things like that happen before, and it's, that's and an interesting thing about those people. I bet if you really looked at those people and really got to know the insides of their lives, that there's probably a larger percentage of them that are in fact gay men themselves. I hate to say that. Okay, but so of, we, of the six, Greg, of the six from here in Dallas, uh, two of them yeah. live together and another two of the guys live together. Interesting. Interesting. It's interesting, yeah. It's at least a starting point. Um, <laughs> that's what happens behind closed doors. But um, I think that we, we've got a multifactorial issue here. One is what what we're doing about lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans people to help them feel better about themselves, feel pride, and help ourselves to move forward politically, uh, legally, uh, health-wise, et cetera, because we keep going back and forth, keep swinging back and forth like a pendulum. But the other is we need to also try to address the ills in society because we're seeing a rotting happen, especially in the middle of America, um, where people are losing jobs and, and the poor, and who are they blaming? They're blaming immigrants, and they're playing, blaming LGBT people, thinking they're getting all the special money, all the special rights, etc. So I see a rotting happening in our country that's very concerning to me. Sorry to be so, again, um, I'm a soapbox about that, but I think it's something we need to look at. In the big no, we agree with you. That's we need to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Lambda Weekly okay. on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis and the late Patty Fink, and we're talking to Dr. Greg Kaysen. We'll be back with more right after this. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. Listen. 
And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink. We're talking to Dr. Greg Kaysen, uh, who's back with us, if he sounds familiar, because he's been with us a few times over the last couple of years. And thanks for coming on today, Greg. Oh. I love talking to you guys. So, so you know, I, I was thinking about pride and celebrations in other communities, other marginalized communities. Like there's a, you know, we're not the only one who celebrates. We have our month. Um, there's uh, the St. Patty's Parade. There is the Martin Luther King uh, Parade. But today. But today is it's Juneteenth. It is. In Texas. In Texas. Today, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's a federal holiday It now. is a federal holiday, even I have to work tomorrow. Anyway. <laughs> um. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so phenomenal that Juneteenth is a federal holiday. It really is. It really is. But I was just wondering, what, what makes our celebration, our pride, seem to stand out so much more than some of these other uh, communities and their celebrations? Maybe it's just because, I guess, because we're fabulous. (laughs) That may be the number one reason. (laughs) Just look. Just open your eyes. I think that's a a hard question for me to answer because I've been to so many, like, special parades, and they all have their own sense of joy. And, you know, I think the thing about the gay pride for me, and I'm hoping for other people, and certainly when we look at identity formation, most people aren't in the, um, I'm, I'm filled with pride, like what actually um, uh, cast who identified lesbian gay identity formation would, see, would say is identity pride or even identity synthesis when you're really being gay is just a big part of you and you're, you, know, you just deal with it and you're very happy about it. But the, um, most people are, you know, they're in the earlier stages and they're coming out and they're seeing things. So if I were to go to the Irish parade, I might feel really good and feel a sense of community and want to drink with people and have a great time and absolutely love it. But when I go to a gay pride parade, it's been formative and developmentally important for me to help identify my community and know that I'm part of something that I didn't know that I was part of. If I were Irish, if I were brought, you know, if I... If Irish identity was important with my family, then I would know and I would have Irish people to talk to. We talk about being right. from Ireland, et cetera. Go to a parade, it would be something. But when you're gay, you often don't have gay brothers and sisters. I know there's some exceptions. You don't have gay parents, some exceptions. Right, no, but you're most right. the time you don't. And yeah, so you, you, it's your first time that you really feel like I'm with my people. And it's an exciting, amazing thing. So. And the colors. You can't miss the colors. No. I I think it's a politically important event. Hey, you know, you touched on, you earlier in the show, you were touching on that I was in that movie, The Butch Factor. What we dealt with in that movie was uh, gender gender issues within the gay male community. And, uh, you know, how people who are more butch are often more as sexual objects um, and how gay men struggle with their own masculinity in light mm-hmm. of that. And it's a very interesting thing that happens because often people put on a lot of artifice, etc. Like I said, I just try to be who I am. But people who are more naturally feminine really get discriminated against even within our own community. Oh, and big time. Become, 
Oh, yeah. and it's very interesting. I mean, we could talk about that forever, but I think that it's also a place. I remember going to Gay Pride and seeing people who were um, gender uh, transgressors or whatever. They went, they went against my belief system about what gender is. And it was eye-opening and amazing. And I remember at first, like with drag queens and trans people, that I was very put off in the beginning. And now I absolutely love it. But it took me a whole developmental process to be able to embrace the community for what it is. So we don't, we're not just popped out of the womb having good attitudes. Part of uh, pride, I think, is helping us to be exposed to our community so that we can we can start to love and embrace everybody. Yeah, I agree. And, and I just brought it up because I wanted to ask you whether you played Butch. <laughs> yeah, I played Butch. No, I was, I was just commenting. You know, and what my, my thesis was, too, um, with that particular movie, is that Butch, or masculinity, is not always what we think it is. Somebody who's hiding their true gender and they're, they're talking like this, and they're a lumberjack, and we might say they're objectively masculine, they, they might not be very masculine because what they're, they're not identifying with strength. And it's someone who might be transgender, or might be expressing a more feminine side, or even has to go through school getting bullied because they're more naturally feminine. Um, and they develop a really tough attitude to be able to guide themselves through that, I would say even though they present more feminine, they ha often have what was more traditionally masculine in that they have inner strength and fortitude. So it's, it's like we, we get the idea of gender is, is a very mixed bag. Sometimes we look at that as uh, you know, a black and white issue too, and I just don't see it like that. I'm just I'm just curious. I know we've digressed a little bit about Patty. Did, it, is that the same issue within the lesbian community, whether being a stud, a kiki, or uh, a lipstick lesbian? You know, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I did I get him correct? Yeah. You did. You did. Um, I I just don't see the les lesbians in in our community in the same categorical ways. I. It, and I, I'm speaking for me, but I think I do speak for a lot of lesbians. Mm -hmm. um, that it, you know, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot more difficult to to put them in a box. Yeah. Um, and you know, draw the contours around and say, here's the label. Um, I, I just don't see a lot of a lot of lesbians um, trying to do that or submitting themselves to that. Um, to That's that good. kind of a system. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I can't speak. I mean, like, I'm old. <laughs> Very. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's more difficult to obviously speak for someone who might be a millennial or a Gen Y or right. Gen Zer. Yeah. Um, and perhaps that's, that's part of uh, that culture among lesbians. But I don't, I don't see that. Would you and like me to speak for them? No. No. I, I think it'd be the absolute opposite. Opposite of what uh, they would want to say. Um, but, 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 yeah, I don't, but I that, don't see that. But that is something you do see. Um, I don't know if you can elaborate on this. Um, but in the gay male community, you absolutely see a bunch of boxes. 
we have our bears, we have our leather group, we have, we our, have our we have our twinks, we have our butches, and I'm, there's some I'm probably missing, but we absolutely oh, yeah. love our boxes. <laughs> And, yeah, um, you guys have a label gun like crazy, like the yeah, old, the old-fashioned label. We do. Gun. <laughs> yeah, Craig. I was just working out with somebody, and all he was doing was talking about boxes. I mean, and literally like this category, this category, mm -hmm. this category. So you know that it's a very common conversation that happens in the gay male community. So much so you don't even notice it. Like I wouldn't have thought about it too much. He was just talking about his ex and, you know, blah, 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 this and that, but that kept coming up, the boxes, if you will. Yeah. There needs to be a kiki word for us, because I, I think I fit it. I'm just kind of like, I'm just an average guy. I don't really, Any I don't know. Any of you sort you know, of like sports? I just overlooked. What was that? The, the average guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> overlooked. I, yeah, I say the average guy gets overlooked a lot. You know, the because uh, they they just started the bland. They're the, what we used to call vanilla sexually. Um, is kind of a vanilla guy, but that's probably the majority. Uh, at least here. Yeah, I think. Uh, no, I think I you're right. It, yeah. yeah. And, you know, so they you know most people are just kind of there, um, but they don't have that special flavor. Then the flavors stick out. We pay attention to the flavors. Um, but you know, we don't we don't necessarily compliment the cake. We compliment the icing and the decoration. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And and, and taking this and taking this all back to Pride. If you didn't know that these boxes and different groups existed, you will see them at Pride. So it's kind of eye opening. You do. You see all colors of the rainbow. Yes, I mean you can see yeah. a, you can see a really a really butch woman who is the most feminine person there you know what mm -hmm. i mean like mm -hmm. it's yeah. so so difficult yeah. to see to, to to put women in boxes just uh, me. yeah yeah i agree greg i want to change uh gears a little bit um how has the mental health community viewed the lgbt community and ha how has that changed yeah we we used to be quite bad i mean it's famously so um, and really it wasn't until some significant studies happened in the early 70s that, that started to turn things around. Uh, we, we, some of you may know the name Evelyn Hooker, and she started to look at gay men and, and look at them and, and kind of said these people don't have pathology. Um, so it started to change the attitude, and we actually changed in the diagnostic and statistical manual. We took homosexuality out. We took the disease out. And recently have taken um, uh, the, the gender, I can't believe it, I'm forgetting the name, but the, because uh, I just don't use this diagnosis, which is like a bad diagnosis for being uh, having a gender identity issue. So um, we're, we're, our community is continually evolving and continually a lot of professional organizations are going on an apology tour which is, you know, I don't know. I find it, I just find it very cringeworthy when I have to read statement after statement about we're sorry the way we treated LGBTQ people in the past. But the reality is we're not there anymore, and I'm so happy we're not there. And the organization can change their stuff, but the apology tour sometimes bothers me a bit. But the, uh, that's just me personally within the profession because I have to read those statements a lot. 
But the um, but the one thing I think that's really interesting is where Evelyn Hooker was saying these, this population doesn't have significant pathology, what we're seeing now is really a very big difference. And I saw this with my own um, my own graduate advisor, Susan Cochran, out of UCLA. And she, um, she really did uh, work in the gay community, especially to look at that we do have more significant uh, mental health issues. And what that seems to be due to is what we call the minority stress model. And the minority stress model is basically saying when, it, when someone's under a significant, when someone's a significant minority, they feel more stress and they feel less support from other people, and the more stress and less support, the more mental illness you'll see within the individuals within that community. Um, we see that with substance abuse, suicide, et cetera. So it's, a, it's something that applies to all minorities across the board, and people, we call them intersectionality now, which is people who have multiple identities, they, they feel it even more. So the, the minority stress model, to me, is the one I really like to embrace because it's more all-encompassing. Um, that really says, we do have a problem here. We've got to fix this. And because of uh, uh, pride, it's getting bigger and better yeah. every year around the, globally. Um, uh, more support groups, more visibility. Um, ha ha have you seen in your practice or your fellow um, mental health professional colleagues, have you seen that mental uh, LGBT persons are seeking more or less help more but I more 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 okay there, there's some, some weird things to say about that one is everybody's seeking more right now it's, it's absolutely exploded people seeking mental health I applaud that but it I don't think the, the system was prepared for it number two um, is that people as we continue to move through the world uh, through time, people are coming out more and being more clear about their identity. So people would often even go to mental health professionals and never say their identity. Mm. So that, that was a real thing that happened in the past, and I know it still happens now because not everybody is out, no matter what we think. There's still people who are, who are still very uh, are struggling with their own sexuality, and I'm sure they're listening right now on the radio. And I, to those people, I want to say, it's okay. Take your journey at your own pace. The fact that they are listening to this radio show right now is a significant step. And this is the kind of thing that will help everyone start to feel more connected and be able to move forward in the world. I agree. But you mental know, health is worse right now, I hate to say. It. And it's interesting that you say that the LGBT community might be more prone to uh, mental health problems uh, caused by other people. Most people think I cause yeah. other people's mental health problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a number <laughs> that could, could legitimately say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are just about out of time, uh, and the next show just walked in. So, uh, Greg, I want to thank you again for thank being you with so us. much, Greg. It's always great to have you. Yes, come back, come back again. You guys are amazing. I love talking with you, and I really applaud the service that you're doing because it's so important for our community, so thank you. Well, we will do it again. Thank uh, you, and happy Pride. Thank you. Happy Pride, you guys. Have a great month. Shop you too. At Walmart.
<laughs> We're going out with music from Lisa Messiah. <laughs>